Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch The Muppet Christmas Carol two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. And joining us today, we have a first-time guest, longtime friend. So excited you're finally on the podcast. Introduce yourself, guest. Hello, everyone. My name is Sarah Elizabeth Grace, and I have waited my whole life for this moment. (laughs) (laughs) Your whole life. You're only four and a half years old. (laughs) Come on our podcast. I... uh, (sighs) I have obviously been in the adjacent periphery of Tough Pigs since the the ripe old year of 2011, um, but this is my first time being on any Tough Pigs podcast. Oh, wow. I That's have, wild. That's really well, wild. So I, I try really hard because there's so many amazing dedicated fans who are a part of this world or who are listeners, and I really defer to their experience and their interests, and I try not to, you know... As much as I've always been a huge lifelong Muppet fan, I, I try to, you know, have them have their space in this amazing community that you've built and maintain. But when it comes to the Muppet Christmas Carol, I feel like I've earned my spot. So I'm so yes, we we here. knew like years. You were one of the first names on our list. It's like okay, we we know that Sarah is one of the biggest fans of Muppet Christmas Carol that we know. So yeah, we had to have you on for this. I love this movie so much, and I, I appreciate that you thought of me because I would have mispiggied my way in <laughs> otherwise, so no I matter appreciate what. your graciousness about that. Ah, awesome. Well, we're thrilled to have you, and Sarah is joining us to talk about minutes 47 and 48 of Muppet Christmas Carol. And in these minutes, Belle finishes when love is gone, and Rizzo cries about it. This is actually like one of the cleanest cuts of a two-minute clip that we've had in this entire movie. It, and I mean, we'll get to all of this, but it ends so perfectly at the end of this clip. It ends right at, with Rizzo crying and Gonzo comforting him. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But before that, uh, basically the first half of this clip is Belle singing the song by herself, continuing the song singing by herself. Um, so Sarah, you weren't here for the opening of the song. So do you, do you want to start us off? Just what are your general thoughts about when love is gone? Well, I grew up on the VHS of Muppet Christmas Carol. I did not see it in theaters. I was a little too young. I'm I'm also the oldest of four kids, so I don't think my mom was going to drag a bunch of kids to see a movie when they were all like toddlers. Um, But the VHS was in our house used year-round. My mom hid the VHS (laughs) from me because she thought I'd get sick of it. I watched it definitely not just during Christmas. I was obsessed with this film. So when love is gone to me is canonically a huge part of the film. Like it's the, it's the sure. linchpin. So as an adult, you know, as a kid, I know it was kind of the boring part and I'd be like, okay, when's this going to be over? So, you know, Riz- Rizzo was like the, the, you know, the white chocolate on the stick and then he got broken and then like they had a big party and then yeah, this lady <laughs> sings, this lady sings, an old, you know, kind of a slow song and then Rizzo cries and then, oh, it's a, you know, Christmas present. But as an adult, I love this number so much and you know it's just it's another christmas she says another year before our wedding and he's like well it can't be helped though you know it's a business continues to be poor and she's like that's what she said last year he's like i don't know what to tell you and she's like well i can't even tell you this uh we're done and she starts singing when love is gone and it is have you guys talked about how paul williams made these songs a little bit 
So when Paul Williams wrote these songs, you know, they were a reflection of his addiction and his recovery. And when love is gone is this beautiful, I feel like love letter to somebody who stands up and says, you know what, this relationship is not going to work for me and I need to leave. And I love you so much, but I love my dreams and my hopes more. And Belle in the, you know, and I know Anthony, you're a big fan of the the book. Like she goes and has a family after this. She, she leaves Scrooge and she immediately has a, you know, a marriage and children and, and lives a beautiful life that she wanted. Huh. And Scrooge can't do it because he has anxious attachment, you know, or no avoidant attachment. Huh. And, you know, he has trauma and like, he can't, he can't show up for her. And so she sings this song and it's so beautiful and it has so much grace and, and dignity both for her and her love for him. And I will probably cry talking about it because I think there's no way they had to, they did not have to go this hard. They did not have to go this hard in this movie. Yeah. And I don't, right. I'm sure Meredith Ron has had so many amazing, you know, stories and, and her own, I can't wait to listen to what she had to say about this number because it's also, she gets this beautiful spotlight. And again, I don't even know if this would be something that they would make today, you know? like Yeah, you have to wonder if if today they would give it to like a famous young up-and-coming singer or, you know, some kind of, yeah. Yeah, like some sort of stunt casting. Yeah. Right. And it's it's this gentle, like this doesn't serve me anymore and I wish you well. And I feel sorry for you that these are your choices. There's no resentment in her at all. She's made up her mind. She's not asking him to change. Yeah. She's that's something that something that really uh, struck me just watching it for these two minutes is she's, she's sad, but she doesn't seem so overwhelmed with emotion. You can, it does come across that she has already thought about this and she's already, made the decision, like you say, that if Scrooge doesn't, uh, you know, if, if he doesn't come through this time, that's it. She's breaking it off. And that's what she does. She's she's very matter of fact about it, even though she's emotional. Yeah, she talks about his choices, calling him. Away. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to hop into the second two or the, you know, my my two minutes. But, you know, she talks about his oh, choices, sure. calling him, calling him away. Um, and, you know, it's it is something that is about Scrooge's journey is that all he can, all he can really commit to is money and, and, and wealth and ambition and, um, and, and not to be generous with it, just to hoard it. Right. Like he's this hoarder for wealth. And then she just looks at him when she, she goes on the little bridge and then she looks at him and she says, be careful (laughs) or you may regret the choice you make someday. And then looks straight ahead. She does not look back at him at all. That's the last thing she says looking at him. And he looks at her, and he turns. Young Scrooge. Young Scrooge, pardon me, young Scrooge. Right. Young Scrooge is on the other yeah. side of the bridge. We'll get to him in a second. Yes, yes. So young Scrooge, she t- looks to young Scrooge and says that, because she can't see old Scrooge. Nobody can see him. Looks to, looks to him, looks out to the bridge, to the, her future, right, to the audience. Young Scrooge looks at her, turns away, then looks back at her and sees that she's just already moved on and he's so hurt, but he can't express it and he can't say, I'm sorry. And he just has no tools. He has no tools yeah. for intimacy. It kind of seems like he's <clears throat> been, it, it takes him a while to get it. I think to, for him to understand what she's really saying. 
And then he's just kind of watching, like, oh, uh, should I say something? Should I do something here? And then he realizes that he can't. It's too late. He can't. So he turns away. Nothing to say. Nothing to do. He thinks it's too late. But as we know, as we know, it's never too late (laughs) to love and to connect and to to make amends for your mistakes and to be a better person. And what's amazing is when he turns after that double back and he turns and he walks away, but there's a close-up on on old Scrooge on on our Scrooge. We'll we'll call him our Scrooge on our Scrooge, and he's like, "You idiot! <laughs> what are you doing?" Yeah. And it's like he realizes in that moment he wasn't thinking at all. He wasn't thinking about his future. He wasn't thinking about what's best for him or or what he really needs. He was only thinking about his his pride and 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 his inability to connect. He he couldn't. He was just like, like you said, just shrugging and leaving. And he's like, God, he didn't make any effort. I didn't make any effort at all to keep this beautiful woman in my life. And then, and then he gets on the bridge. He and, starts singing. Oh, I'm going to cry. Yeah. He starts, he, he starts singing. First of all, Michael Caine in the early nineties looks like my dad. And huh. my dad doesn't, my dad doesn't cry. Because he's a he's a Michigan engineer, like he does not cry. <laughs> okay. Uh, but when Michael Caine cries, it's like I'm watching my dad cry, and it breaks my heart. Um, oh yeah. And he's he again. He's this whole past. Ghosts of Christmas Past has said they're but shadows. They can't see you. They can't hear you. You know, there's nothing you can do. And so he's been just watching this whole time. He's just been like observing his his past and these characters and his personal narrative so when he's behind her and singing you know it was almost love it was almost always it was like a fairy tale that, uh, that, that would live out you and i and yes some dreams come true and yes some dreams cry yeah. fall through and yes the time has come for us to say goodbye and she's again she's looking out she's looking at her future and he's watching her watch her future and he's feeling sorry for himself and sad and and re- just remorseful, and he's crying, and we're gonna yeah. get to that in a second. As I have a whole thing about that, and then she, <laughs> this is what breaks me. This is what breaks me and Rizzo. <laughs> she turns to look at him walking, young Scrooge walking away, and he did not expect that she was gonna turn her face. And Mike Michael Caine makes this choice as an actor where he he tips his head down to look at her, to like try to see as much of her face huh. as, as he can, because he didn't anticipate her turning and being so close to where he was and looking at this beautiful woman who like everything that she is doing in that moment is are the qualities that he admired in her the first moment that he met her. And what makes her so beautiful and special is the same reason why she was able to walk away and choose herself. And he loves her in that moment. He admires her in that moment. And he feels haunted by the fact that like, he was such a coward. That's what he would have called himself. I assume, yeah. uh, not knowing that like he has trauma because he does. Uh, but like he, he didn't have the same words for it that, that we might have we, now. They did not have the same words now, but like, it's just so, there's so much grief in that one moment. And yeah. And then, and then she walks away and Rizzo and I both weep. Wow. And that's yeah. the clip. 
Yeah. So, Anthony, I don't know how you had your notes organized. Would, is well, this, I'm sorry. I, no, I was going to no, say, no, would this be... One, I didn't, I wasn't planning to go through it line by line or anything oh, like no. that. Okay. Because I, I don't think that works for this song. Okay. Two, Sarah, I'm so glad you're here for oh, this. Oh, yeah. Come on. Yeah, I, we, like, I don't think we could have gotten that much insight from anybody else. We know a lot of people right. who love that song, but... Right, yeah. we invited you here to talk about this song. You don't need to apologize <laughs> for having insightful thoughts about it. Come on. I just don't want to take anybody else. I want to, I want to hear everybody's opinion about this. And I have more we to say about Scrooge, Scrooge crying, but I, let's go Let's go to Anthony. Here's what's going to happen is Ryan and I are going to be like, oh, when I was a kid, I thought this song was boring. Oh, but now I think it's good because. How I dare saw, you? How dare you reduce uh, 16 bullet points to two sentences? <laughs> Well, no, but like for me though, it's true. Like, so we should, I mean, you, you alluded to this, Sarah, but it, I, as a kid, having seen this on VHS first and I'm, and I'm older than you. I was, I was eight when the movie came out, but I didn't see it in the theater. Saw it when I was nine on video for the first time. So I never knew that this song wasn't in the theater. I never like the, the 2002 DVD also is full screen only. And it has the only the version with the song. So 2005, the widescreen DVD comes out, doesn't have the song. Hmm. That's the first time I ever knew anything about this song not being in the movie. Right, either. right. I, I had never heard of it. Didn't know it was the thing. And I think that's pretty common. Yeah, I think was, like most too. fans didn't didn't think about like, oh, there's that classic song put back in. Like the VHS doesn't say extended edition, doesn't say new song. No, it doesn't say like director's that, cut. You know? Right. So I spent that that twelve years, then nineteen ninety three through two thousand five, ages nine through twenty one, being like, "Oh, that song's so boring. Why do they have a human sing a song in a Muppet movie that's boring? Yeah. That's about that, humans that... having emotions." No. That is like the only opinion of children and adolescents. Anytime sure. an adult sings for too long in a Muppet movie, it's like, what? Why are what's going on? No. Why? Well, or right. a, a musical in general, even. So my thing, I I actually did see this in the theater though, but I guess I only, I only saw it once in the theater, and then I got it on right. VHS for Christmas the following year. I guess I didn't realize that there was a song on the VHS that hadn't been. In the movie, I don't know. I guess it just didn't register. But yeah, so, but then I, I did spend a lot of years thinking of it as this really boring song. And I had this whole, when I was young and I thought I was so very smart, I had this thing I would talk about my theory of the boring song that every musical has a boring song and nobody likes it, but it's there. And everybody just goes to the kitchen to get more popcorn or whatever. Um, I, I, let's see. I wrote an article actually in 2007 called on, on the Tough Pigs website called 27 Things to Do During When Love is Gone. And I talked about the theory of boring songs. Um, in the article, I say this is a slow number. The boring song is usually a slow number, usually about some dull subject like love, during which the kids in the audience start fidgeting <laughs> and the grown ups' attention starts drifting to more interesting thoughts like APR financing. <laughs> in the article, I cited I've Never Been in Love Before from Guys and Dolls and Hopelessly Devoted to You from the movie version <gasps> of Grease. 
I'm saying this oh, is 2007. This is wait, wait, this is the here comes the most shocking one though. <laughs> At the me. time, I probably would have. Uh, wait, how do you know what's the next one? Isn't it, it going to be why am I so romantic? Oh yes, that was. I don't know if that was in my article, but that was also on my list. Oh. Why am I so romantic? From the Marx Brothers movie Animal Crackers, which is sung by two lovebirds who are not Marx Brothers. But, but one of them is Lillian Rock. So just well, as good as a Marx Brothers, yeah, equally yeah. as good as a Marx Brothers. I, I think at the time I probably you would check have... out Animal Crackers, Sarah. Yes, at the time I probably would have I, even I included the "Feed the Birds" from Mary Poppins because when I was a little kid, that was just a song to sit through to wait until the next interesting thing happened. But then, oh, to be fair, the... "Feed the Birds," "Feed the Birds" is something that could have been cut. It for could, me, and... for me, the the boring song in Mary Poppins is not a song. It's that like forty five minutes where they just go hang out at the bank. At the bank, sure. Yeah. Those bank guys scared the <laughs> out of me. I hated it. I mean, it's and important bank, to the story, the I guess. Man, yeah, when the old bank man floated up to the ceiling and everybody panicked, that was that. No, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> not into the knackvade keyed, right? Um, actually, actually, my wife Roz told me that when she was a kid, she thought those were two different movies. Like M- Mary Poppins was like the fun movie about. About jumping into a painting and oh, yeah. and you know yeah. a spoonful of sugar and all that, and then there was also like some other movie about a bank and some kids. Right, and it had the same. Yeah, kids as Mary well, Poppins. I that's, believe it. That's funny because yeah. another one of my examples, which I've seen other people actually cite a lot since the announcement about when love is gone being restored to the movie. Um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the song Cheer Up Charlie. Oh, Cheer no, Up Charlie is garbage. Bad. No, oh. that's the one we could all as a there are there are two things that we can agree on as a country. And it's that daylight savings time <laughs> should be abolished. Yes. And that Cheer Up Charlie is hot garbage. Okay. So, so I, I was gonna conclude all of this by saying that's the one that I still think is in the boring song. Okay. Okay. We all agree <laughs> on that then. We all agree. Um, we all agree. Um, right. right. But Sorry, go ahead. You're not done. Yeah, no, I was the, the side note to that was going to be that when I was a kid watching Willy Wonka, uh, the the little like interstitial sketches about people going crazy trying to find golden tickets, I used to think that those were on my tape by mistake because it wasn't about Charlie, it wasn't about you know the characters that we knew. Like so, when the guy is punching buttons on the computer, trying to get the computer to tell him where the the golden ticket is, or the latest, the one especially when the lady, uh, the husband is being her husband has been kidnapped. Yeah, and they yeah. they want to know where her supply of Wonka bars is. I was like, wait, this is the wrong movie. Like, what happened? Why did it? Why did it go to this different movie? I want to watch Willy Wonka again. Right, but anyway. but no, it it makes sense that that one was weirder because the computer one, the guy is Tim Brooke Taylor from The Goodies, a British sketch show, and even if you don't know The Goodies. Tim Brooke Taylor just has like a comedy face. Yeah. And so, so like some, some like weird British guy is punching into a computer. Sure. That feels like Willy Wonka. It doesn't, that, like, well, you, but you it doesn't totally, I mean? like, tonally match like Charlie, yeah. this poor uh, child, I guess so. I guess miserable so. and living in poverty. It, it is yeah. a, a very, not to get too off track, but <laughs> Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory has a lot of problems structurally and tonally. So that's, I guess, I guess we can all agree true. on that. That's probably yeah. true. I haven't. Um, watched it in a while but what what i was going to say about structure structural problems is a good segue though because this movie has structural problems when you remove this song yeah so this is, Why is so there are crying? a couple things so over right. the years i will link by the way to my 27 things to do during when love is gone article because i still think it's funny the, even though i don't really agree with the the basic premise of it anymore 
Is it, I is it 27? This article. It's 27, is it, yes. Is it 27 because that's Weird Al's favorite number? I am sure that was why. I don't specifically remember that that was why, but I have to think that it must be because that's the number that frequently appears in in Weird Al's projects. Uh, but yeah, it was very, like, a lot of them are silly. Like, uh, one of them is stand on your head and say, Bell, what in tarnation are you doing standing on the ceiling? So I that didn't, is such a Ryan Rowe joke. I didn't. I didn't seriously intend it to be, you know, a guide for things that people should do instead of paying attention to the song. But right. um, yeah, no. Now I'm older and I'm more mature and sophisticated and uh, emotionally mature. So I like a lot of these boring songs now. I like "Why Am I So Romantic?" Romantic from Animal Crackers. I think it's yeah. a very lovely yeah. song, even though it doesn't have Marx Brothers in it. And I, over the years, I've seen so many people defend When Love Is Gone, and then I realized, like, okay, this is actually a good song, even though there are no Muppets in it. Well, well, what I was going to say is I remember when that DVD came out in 2005, the Kermit's 50th Anniversary Edition, yeah. which I think is hilarious. Um, Why not? Uh, <laughs> right. Um, but the, So I, I remember, like, being excited that it, there was a version without the song. Oh and yeah, he's saying yeah. on the Tough Pigs forum, like widescreen and no when love is gone. It's the perfect version of the movie. And then I watched it mm-hmm. and I realized that the movie is significantly worse without it. Wasn't it not to mention the ending is like completely, you know, kneecapped because you don't get the emotional resonance of when love is found if love mm-hmm. was ever gone. Yeah, <laughs> that's a really good point. You can't, you can't, sorry to get so high pitched, but like you cannot, you cannot have an effective reprise if anybody who loves Lee Miz knows, unless you have, <laughs> unless you've heard the song before and go, wait a second. Let me, but let me ask you a question, Sarah, because I know you're a big Singing in the Rain fan. Love it. And that movie ends with a reprise of a song that was cut, You Are My Lucky Star. Ah. Don't they sing that? No, because she sings that. Um, to the billboard? No, that that's a deleted scene on the DVD. It's not in the movie. But she was singing it like they were like, it's like, okay, you're going to sing one of the songs. And then they start singing it. I don't, I don't really Do remember. Because the, thought... big, the big number of it was supposed to be her singing it to a billboard of yeah. Don Lockwood. And that, also, that was cut. That this These are all fair. Even if it was cut, there's remember. a lot. There, there, there's a whole Broadway melody musical in <laughs> right, the, right. the movie. Like, even if it was right, right. earlier, I think our attention would not remember <laughs> that and also it's not like that because right, there's so many kind songs of emotional resonance yeah there's a ton right of right songs yeah no like, no i'm not i'm not like try, i'm not like trying to gotcha i just wanted to talk sure. to you about singing in the rain as long as you brought yeah. it up yeah. i love it although i will say as an adult woman who is in her now mid-30s uh the efficacy of a 19 year old being sort of like picked up and swooped away by a 40 year old just doesn't have the same kind of punch it did when i was Ooh, in high school yikes <laughs> right, unfortunately right. And like right, was like mentally and physically tortured to create the film. Is uh, there's less. It's le- I still love Gene Kelly. Uh, everybody, check out my Gene Kelly article on toughpigs.com. It is, I think, the only thing I've written for Tough Pigs, but I I stand by it. As again, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, a niche review- expert, but but I did review it. Um, you reviewed the episode. His I did. His episode. Yeah, I did. Um, but uh, yes, it's uh, sometimes his. I mean, but who was who was a good guy? back then. And I'll tell you who wasn't a good guy. Uh, Scrooge. Um, he did <laughs> not treat Mel. <laughs> no. But the other, I was going to say, 
the other part of my my own personal evolution of this song was the part when Michael Caine comes in and starts singing along and, you know, half singing along because he's crying and he can't even form the words. Like, just really paying attention to that part of it, that's what made me go like, oh, okay, not only do I accept that this song is fine and it should be in the movie, like, I actually really like this song now. Michael Caine has the most effective incremental character arc of any Scrooge I have ever seen. And I will go to bat about this. I know Anthony and I have not necessarily the same opinion about this, but in my world, in my, in my experience, the incremental change that Scrooge has and the emotional processing he has throughout the entire film is so effective. And one of the best Michael Caine performances, period. And mm-hmm. I think it might be the like again, I find the the number and the way he sings and processes that that scene to be like the linchpin of Scrooge's development, setting yes. him up for Christmas present. Right. No, yeah. I mean I I think that you think this would be more of a fun, like I love George C. Scott, as you know. That's that, that's what you're alluding to. But oh, that I, that you I, wouldn't I, necessarily agree that he has the best Scrooge art. Right. That might that my favorite my favorite Scrooge is George C. Scott. Okay. But Michael Caine is real close. Like it's not like I'm like Michael Caine in Muppet Christmas Carol is garbage. No, he's amazing. And it's an incredible performance. Of course, I agree. And um, also George C. Scott also looks like my dad. So maybe my dad should be Scrooge <laughs> at some point. Maybe he should. Maybe he should. Um no, I was gonna say though, I think it kind of also makes it more effective that Michael Caine clearly is not a singer. Like he's fine. He can carry a tune. It's yeah. not like he's embarrassing himself or something, but like you can tell this isn't a guy who sings professionally, no. you know, and Meredith Braun, you can tell like she was, as, as we discussed with her on the podcast last week, she was playing Eponine eight times a week on the West you know, end, right on the West end, right, yeah. right before she did this movie. Right. Wow. And, and, and you can hear that in her performance, you know, and uh, so and, for Michael Caine, it feels very vulnerable for him to get up and sing next to her, even yeah. though he's a he's a giant movie star and she's not. Like you can tell that he's the one who is out on a limb here, you know, in, which, in a certain way. Yes, 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 and it makes the moment, the the emotional truth of the moment, that much more effective because it's it's like he is participating in his own healing and his own uh, reconciliation of that moment where he is also recognizing that it was almost love and it was almost always. And it was like a fairy tale would live out him and her. Like it's, it's this moment where he's, he's, he's so walled up and resentful and hateful and judgmental and, and mean and cruel for the purposes of making sure he never has any connection ever and that nobody can get in and nobody's allowed in. And even his nephew who like, cheerily tries to break down his door like no thank you good goodbye sir like and and in that moment you're you're completely right it's the quality of his voice not just the presentation of his performance but it vocally you you hear like it just works so well and again like if you had Hugh Jackman doing it it would sound beautiful but it (laughs) wouldn't be the same no I don't think it would have the same effect and you mentioned you you uh, emphasize her line. Uh, what is it? The the choices that you make, you may regret someday. Be careful, or you may regret the choice you make someday. Yeah, and that's exactly what we're seeing. 
that that day has come when he's he's looking at it uh, from a different perspective and really regretting it. And, and what's so beautiful about that, I'm going to yes and that idea, it seems as if there have been moments in his life where he has, because nobody who's ready to be that vulnerable and emotionally experience the things he is experiencing, as we can see on his face throughout the entire Ghost of Christmas Past um, scenes, it's this is not new information for him. It's just the first time he's been able to really reconcile with these feelings and 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 look at them and and accept them and process them in real time. And yeah. it's like he's he's actually I want to say he's he's just present. He's present for those difficult feelings, and that's what breaks his heart, you know. Right, right. And, and um, I just. It's like he's privately crying when she's not looking at him. And that's what, you know, he's choking up and he's singing and he's like processing his own grief and he's processing that moment. And then when she turns her head and he's looking at her, it's like, that's when he feels instead of like, Oh uh, no, no, I can't, I can't be sad. Like I can't, even though she can't see me, it's like, he's been behaving all the time. Like, you know, maybe he could be seen, you know, by people from the past. And instead he like falls apart in front of her in a way that young Scrooge never could because he didn't yet live with all those regrets and all that loneliness. Yeah, I guess young Scrooge is just, I mean, he's, he's disappointed, but he's just going to wander off and go count his money and start a a business with Marley and Marley. Yeah. Well, he doesn't know, he doesn't know yet how important personal connection is and and he doesn't know yet what's in store for him in his life and i think that a lot of us you know i know that all of us are you know 40s and 30s in in this chat um and i think that there are there are things that we thought life was going to just give us you know as teens and 20s 20 somethings um or when we're kids that just it doesn't happen that way like life is a lot of work and connection and, and intimacy is a lot of work um and He's just, I think young Scrooge is just like, I'm sure I'll find another girl. Hmm. Yeah, or well, I'll, be ready. Yeah. I'll be ready later. I'll be ready later. Yeah. And she might still be around. Or maybe right. I don't need anybody anyway. Right? And all of this is right. why, you know, a, a six-year-old kid, a 10-year-old kid, whoever watching this movie can't possibly appreciate the song at that age. Right. Fully, yeah. Not fully, yeah. That's true. But again... If you just cut it out, it's just be, you did once. And then she crosses the bridge and Rizzo cries. And we're like, <laughs> Rizzo starts, starts bawling. Yeah. No, it's still very that. sad that she's just breaking up with him and walking away, but it's not nearly as effective when she doesn't go through the whole thing. Sure. But also without the song, Meredith Braun's screen time is like two minutes. Maybe. Right. Like right. it's like, right. seriously, no, yeah, I like, even, I think yeah. 30 seconds. Like she says, Oh, right. here's well, Belle. And they look, and then they jump to another Christmas, and then they have like that little line thing, and then she leaves. Like, who gives a? Shit? Yeah, right. Yeah, I think actually one of my objections during my boring song period was the fact that Belle has so little screen time, and then like, oh, they're supposed to care. You know, we're supposed to care about this character who we just met one scene ago, but really, like, she sells it. She, it's, it's all there. Well, she yeah. shows who she who she was and why she was important to him and what she could have brought to his life through the song show don't tell through the song yeah. right yeah right 
Well, Ryan, so would young Ryan have enjoyed this scene more and this song more if Belle had been played by your favorite, Miss Mousy? <laughs> well, I can tell you, uh, 2007 Ryan, who wrote that article, definitely would have liked it more if it were Miss Mousy. <laughs> This is this is this. Can I say the the Photoshop you did about Miss Mousy, or do you not sure. want me to? So around that same time, Ryan made a Photoshop of Miss Mousy's face on Britney Spears's body. Well, what was the joke that that inspired it? I don't remember. I think on the, <laughs> no, I think I don't remember. I think somebody on the Tough Pigs forum, who was not me, made a joke about like Miss Mousy being the hottest Muppet or something. Probably yeah. that sounds right. Yeah. This sounds is why like I haven't the... been. This is why I don't usually post on topic. I can't. I can't uh-huh. get into this stuff. I can't. Yeah, because Sarah, it's Sarah. It's all nonsense. I it's it's nonsense. Anyway, but there's was, somebody anyway, out there who's like, yeah, Miss Mousy though, for real. I mean, we don't know for sure that it, we don't know for sure that it wasn't your spouse. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm no, I don't. Kidding. I mean. I, now I'm going to have to go back here. and find that it. Does. <laughs> but no, night like uh, no, Ryan in 1992. I I might have you know I probably would have been like excited to see Miss Mousy. Like whoa, here's this weird Muppet character that I saw on a an old Muppet special on Nickelodeon one time, and now she's in this movie. So yeah, I think so. You would have, yeah. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, we're kind of um, down to the end of the clip, I guess. But we have a yeah. few other things to discuss. Um, Great. Any other thoughts about the song or Sarah, the movie in general? Before we close. Oh God, the movie in general. We don't have time. Uh, <laughs> so, like, the most amazing thing about this film is that I, I, from what I understand, and I could be wrong, it is incredibly close to the book, and it doesn't take a lot of liberties. Um, in a way that other adaptations do and maybe just rightfully so for entertainment reasons or to take the structure or the the sort of themes of the story and make it a little bit more interesting. But Michael Caine sells the out of this role. Like he is an incredible Scrooge. Yeah. And the movie itself is incredibly moving. It is, it is fast. It is, Love of Christmas Carol is one of my favorite films, period. Like it is in my top 10, hardcore. Sure. I think I think it is effective. I think everyone is is acting the crap out of their roles, and it is it is both it is reconciling with the fact that like people can change, and and here's how. And I and again, Paul Williams talks about this with his recovery and the songs that he writes, and I think that's one of the other reasons why it's so good. I think this is going to sound a little like you know, crystal heavy zodiac reedy perspective, but <laughs> I think there are certain things that have magic in them. And I mm-hmm. think Muppet Christmas Carol is just one of those, one of those times, you know, it was the wake of Jim's death. It was the wake of um, Richard Hunt's death. This could have been a complete disaster. This could have been a Muppets from space. No offense. Um, but like, <laughs> we, instead, didn't, we didn't make it. I know. I'm just saying no offense for any Muppets from space people who are like, what? I love that movie. Um, this is just for me. But like mm-hmm. The perfect storm of Paul Williams coming out of recovery and having this be his first project. The perfect storm of like, um, you know, um, oh my gosh, his name is escaping me because I'm not a huge nerd. Jerry Jewell uh, yes. to write the script. Sure. Um, so I got, I got it. Joe's going to be so proud. Um, and 
You got getting it. Michael Caine, who did want to work with the Muppets when the Muppet Show was filming in London and was never asked. And he was like, what the heck, guys? And like getting to be Scrooge. <laughs> and I think, you know, Steve Whitmire covers Kermit so amazingly. Um, and it's just this, it shouldn't be this good. It just shouldn't be this good, considering right. what a deficit they were all working from emotionally, literally, production wise. Like, this was their first project without Jim, really. And, like, it, I've been like, saying this, but it's, it seems miraculous to me that this is yeah. two years after yeah. Jim Henson died, like a little over two years, and this movie came out fully formed. And people love this movie so much. And it is not a nostalgia thing like, Muppet Treasure Island. Again, no offense to those fans. <laughs> but like having recently <laughs> rewatched it, I was like, no, this does not hold up at all. Um, but like again, no, this is just my opinion. Good. Don't at me. Um but, but, by the way, you've just ensured that you will be back for the following two seasons. Oh, brilliant. I can't wait to trash <laughs> Muppet Treasure Island. <laughs> Our whole thing that we keep saying is Anthony likes Muppets <laughs> from Space more than I do, and I like Muppet Treasure Island more than Anthony does. So can't can't wait to be a hater. Um, can't wait to piss off so many fans. Um, but like, there's a. I mean, I when I was a little girl, I loved this movie so much. Like again, like my mom used to hide the VHS from me, and like I would scream, "God bless my little broken body!" When I would jump from high height in the summer. Like I would remember this film all year round. Sure. Like. I stand this movie so hard. And then when I got sober in 2010, I had no idea that like watching Muppet Christmas Carol as a sober person was going to be a whole nother level of experience. And like, it just like, it's just so magical. And I just think that there's, it's just a perfect film. It's just a perfect film. And I think that there's very little that is filler or that should be cut or that was a mistake, you know, even the vegetables don't like him. Like, come on. Like, it's it's just, it's such a great, I just, I love this movie. This is the opposite of, like, flames on the side of my face from Clue. This is, like, I just can't say how much I love this film more. Like, it's just, it makes me cry. It makes me laugh. Like, and I love, last thing, is that, like, in a lot of Christmas Carol adaptations, Scrooge is kind of just an ass the whole time. And then... Ghost of Christmas Future is like, you're going to die. And he's like, oh, oh, never mind. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Everybody's so happy that I'm dead. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and then he wakes up and he's like manic. And that's the end of the movie. And instead, you see this like gradual processing. And then like a defense comes up and he gets a little grumpy again. And then the defense goes away and he gets even more vulnerable and more attentive to what's around him. And he, again, like, it also just proves in the wake of like our, our late stage capitalism, essentially Gilded Age Part Two with these crazy billionaires and people who are like working poor and suffering in 2022 that like sometimes it just takes seeing other people as humans to realize that there's so much that you can do you know are there no you know uh what you know what do you do with the you know the, the poor people are no are there no workhouses and then mm-hmm. he falls in love with tiny tim and then when tim dies he's like what no come on no way and it's like yeah you idiot this is what happens when you have a child and no health care and the child is sick. They die. And right. Right. And, and just, a few hours ago, he didn't care. It, exactly. It doesn't he didn't even just, know Bob Cratchit had kids. I don't yeah. think. Probably, you know? not. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. And then they get to sing when love is found at the end and it comes full circle and I lose my shit and I cry 
I cry so much because I love it. I just love it so much. I love it like Rizzo loves his jelly beans. <laughs> sure. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, Ryan, did you have any? I don't know how to top that. But yeah. Ryan, well, did you have any final? No, thoughts? I can't top that. I did. Something did just occur to me though, as we're talking about Belle going off and living her life. Has anybody, or I, I assume this isn't in the book, but has anybody ever written like an unofficial sequel or spinoff or short story or fanfic about like Belle's life after leaving Scrooge, or maybe Scrooge oh, writes her no, a letter? It is, no. No, it is. It is in the book. So. Sarah alluded to this earlier, but let's go ahead and open up the old curiosity shop. Yeah, please. I want to hear about it. In the book, in the book, as we mentioned, we do not see when Bell and Scrooge meet. That doesn't happen. But what mm. does happen is that after the scene, we see her and her family at home, and they have she has a bunch of kids. Uh, um, the narrator describes it as it seemed like there are 40 of them, but it was every child acting like 40 because that's how many kids there are. <laughs> yeah. And um, wait, so is this, this it, is another uh, scene that the ghost takes Scrooge to see. Yes. And it, oh. and, and it is explicitly the year that Jacob Marley dies oh, because, huh. wow. because Bell's husband says to her that he saw an old friend of yours, Mr. Scrooge. It was, I passed his office window and as it was not shut up and he had a candle inside, I could scarcely help seeing him. His partner lies upon the point of death, I hear, and there he sat alone, quite alone in the world, I do believe. Hmm. Okay, and, so um, it wasn't even just exposition briefly given. It like we actually see Bell's it's family. A scene. It's a scene. Yeah. And and actually as Oh, but for all we knew, Scrooge never knew about it until that that moment. Until that right. right. But he was yeah, so, he was being right. observed. So maybe maybe somewhere right. out there still there's some sort of unofficial uh Right sequel where where like scrooge is writing letters like hey bell remember me well i don't hate christmas anymore i just thought i'd well, reach out and see how you're doing funny funny you should mention it ryan because one of the first ever instances of fanfic had almost that exact thing ah. uh, you might recall that many many episodes ago i talked about how in february 1844 six weeks after the book came out not one not two but three theatrical adaptations of a christmas carol premiered in London. I do remember that this. year, six weeks after the book came out. Yeah. One of them, one of them, a Christmas Carol or the past, present and future by Charles Webb. Uh, Belle's name is not Belle. Her name is Ellen, Ellen Williams explicitly, huh. but she and Scrooge get back together in the final scene. Whoa. <laughs> he straight up reunites them. It's okay. Like well, that seems unnecessary. Run, runs into his old flame, Ellen. And she's like, Oh, you're nice now. Great. Let's get back together. Uh, wow. <laughs> Uh, we should all be so lucky. Assuming, I guess, Ellen's yeah. husband died. Well, there's assume? no, there's just no husband. Um, oh, oh no! But, so she was like, she was like, in it's a wonderful life. She she's like, just she's an like old librarian. Yeah. Uh, okay, can we spinster? can we talk about how that's the worst thing in It's a Wonderful Life? Okay, <laughs> we, so you know what? You know, I will say, I will say, on its defense, and you know me, I am like, uh -huh. I'm staunch, staunch feminist, right? And I'm like all about the gender stereotypes uh, and, and eviscerating them. Yes, the old librarian is the fact that Mar that uh, Mary is an old librarian as a spinster doesn't have kids is the stupidest like, oh no. But you know what it is? It's her, to me, it's the fact that it's her fear for the world, her fear for mm -hmm. herself. And the fact that when George comes up to her and she like screams bloody murder, like that's the fear is that it's like, this woman does not only have like no life, but like she is scared of me because she lives in a scary place and she 
has never known what it's like to be loved. Now right, it's like sure, that's the sure. world she lives in. That's how I. That's how I can sleep at night and watch that film. <laughs> that's the only right, way that I makes do. sense. That but makes that sense. probably wasn't what they intended. <laughs> right. Well, so what I was going to say is one, nothing wrong with being a librarian. Hell no. Um, which, which of course is my job, as you both know. Um, <laughs> but the librarians are the best. They're the saviors of the world. Yeah. Well, you know, continuing we try. To be. We try. But yeah. um, every year when we watch that movie, when Clarence, as though it's a, a shock horror moment, says, she's just about to close up the library. Um, <laughs> Roz, Roz looks over at me and like pats my back in sympathy. But also, <laughs> my the reason that it bugs me the most is the movie goes out of its way to set up Mary being Sam Wainwright's unhappy rich wife. Like mm. her mom wants her to marry Sam Wainwright so bad, you know? So like, why isn't she like living in a, in a mansion on the edge of town? Miserable. Yeah. That's they weird. needed a dramaturg on that. Huh. Right. It's they been, needed I, thought a of, I, thought, I thought of this like 20 years ago and it just, <laughs> it just seems like what she should be doing. Yeah. That is definitely, if you've not written that article and like posted it on medium or something, I highly I know, recommend I you do that. Yeah. You should, should. because it's, it's really a great should. argument. Yeah. And like, I think it goes along with maybe it's uh, a reflection on how fast these movies got made sometimes where they well, just kind of were like, true, yeah. we know, and, and the idea of like, what was important in terms of like arcs and what was important in terms of like, what the, what the audience will remember when they leave, like, where are they emotionally yeah. at that point? And where can we push them emotionally for the end? Because none of these, at that time, they were like, People won't. People might come back to watch it in theaters, maybe, but right. nobody's going to be you're, you're not watching re-watching this. Here. Right. No, right. people didn't know that they were going to do that when they made these movies. Was right. That, that right. was an original screenplay that wasn't based on a. Book it's based or... on a. It's based on a short story. Oh, okay. Right. So um, there might not have been all those details but, in the short story. Right. I, I, yeah, I don't. I've never read it. I should. Just hmm. um, definitely like, sounds like an Anthony Strand project. Yeah. Well, and as long as we're talking about uh, viewing projects and uh, Christmas films, um, just to keep myself honest, I have made a list of uh, something like 16 uh, adaptations of a Muppet, not a Muppet Christmas Carol, the other one. (laughs) I've made myself a list of something like 16 adaptations of a Christmas Carol that I'm going to try to get watched either by Christmas or by the time we finish recording the season, whichever comes first. I have mentioned thus far I watched um, Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol, which was very good. Since then, I have also watched the 1910 uh, silent Christmas Carol that's like 13 minutes long. Yeah. Um, That was pretty good. There's some really cool... I like to do Yeah, really cool tricks with like half the frame being Scrooge and the ghost, and then the other half is like these see-through images of his past and... And the future. Mm. Yeah. So for the time, I'm sure that was like mind blowing special effects. Totally. And I will say in one of those adaptations, you will see a scene of Belle and her family and her husband being like, I was in town and I saw that. Like, right. well, I it's remember in the, distinctly. It's in the, the George C. Scott movie for sure. That's the one. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, yeah. On I, I remember seeing that in one of the movies and being like, oh, right. okay. Because of yeah. course, I also was in. A Christmas Carol it was my first equity show that I was oh. ever in. Um, was it really? Uh, I played know. Martha. I played Martha Cratchit, and I was oh. I was blown away that there was no Belinda or Bettina. Ah, actually, I right, think there actually sure, was. Yeah. You know, now that I think about it, there was a Belinda. I think it was Martha and Belinda, and then the two boys, but they weren't right. Peter. Pete, 
in, yeah. in the book, I believe it is Peter. It's okay. But there's like in the book, there's like a thing. Again, I haven't gotten to this in my reread, you know, yet. But I know there's a there's definitely a line about the two smallest Cratchits. Okay. Which They're Tiny unnamed. Tim is not one of the two. Tiny Tim is not even one of the two smallest Cratchits. Oh, interesting. Two smaller ones. Yeah, there's Tiny Tim, Tim and Tiniest Tim. Five kids. Yeah, so probably not Peter then, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. All, All I knew is is that I worked in a hat shop. And I was able to be home for Christmas. That was what I knew. Sure. <laughs> okay. Let's see, uh, Master Peter Cratchit is mentioned in the book. Uh, I just, I just did a, I just did a control F search on the Project Gutenberg version. Uh, the other adaptation that I have watched is the animated version of the Stingiest Man in Town, which is pretty good. Mostly Walter Matthau as the voice of Scrooge is like perfect casting. That's good casting. And it has. It has a lot of talk about Santa Claus, a person who is not mentioned in the book at all. Right, There's right. There's like two, you don't two songs think about of Santa Claus. Santa as entering into the story, but yeah, there doesn't seem to be room for more than one gray-headed man in these stories. Right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Um, but all right, so that brings us just about down to the end, Sarah. We have our three questions that we ask, and uh, the first one I think you've kind of covered, which is what's your history with this movie. I 100% have covered that. Yep. So I will not bore all right, you the, all the same the, stories. <laughs> never, never. And oh, the sorry, there's one, one other thing. Sorry. One other thing that no, I will please. say about, about the first question is that I have a rule, not that I hide my VHS anymore, but I have a rule that I do not watch it, even though it's become trendier and trendier to start Christmas, November 1st. Um, I do not watch the film until after my birthday, which is November 21st. Um, sometimes I have watched it on my birthday. Sometimes it's right after my birthday, but that is also not my current tradition with it. And I'm very excited that we can stream it on Disney plus with the full version that I know and love. Makes me so happy. Yes. Which, which we are waiting for as of this recording, but when this is released, uh, listeners can go watch that right now. Yeah. It'll be there because it's on there. And I, I, if I understand correctly, it's under like special features or extras. Yeah. yeah, we'll be under extras. Yeah, the default version will still be the shorter version, I believe. The, yes, but the, so if you to... go into extras, you can watch the whole movie, or do you the like whole just... movie with the song? Yes, the okay, whole movie with the song. It's not like a running in there, like watching a... the deleted scene. Running no, out. no, that's <laughs> what people have okay, had no. to do up till now. But yeah, yes. yeah. Um, right. I want to know though: Do you um, still have that VHS tape? No, I mean yeah, actually, I mean, that's, that's fine. I don't have no, most of my old Muppet VHS tapes anymore. I imagine it's in my parents' house somewhere. I don't think they got rid of like my. I don't think they got rid of it. I'm sure it's just in a bin okay. for Christmas, and I can, I can check. I can check. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's no <laughs> like I, I will confess that I sold my old uh, VHS copy of The Frog Prince uh, not long ago, or donated it I to think- Goodwill. I think we have it. Yeah. I have many ways of watching the Frog Prince. So I have the Frog Prince on tape still. All right, and, and I also have. You, do you know what else I have? You have uh, a Selectivision disc of the Muppet movie. Well, that is true, but I was going to say a popover Froggy. Right. <laughs> of course, it's from that movie, uh, from that TV special, rather. Uh, so then, Sarah, actually, I think you've kind of answered the other two questions as well, which oh. are: Do you watch it every year? You just yes. said, yeah. And then yeah. where do you rank it among the Muppet movies? Okay. I think you've answered that, but clarify. Uh, so it's hard because I understand that I, my, my personal affinity for the film is why it's number one. It is not mm-hmm. objectively the best Muppet film. 
I also I don't grew think up there's such a thing as that. I, yeah, I think it, when you're ranking movies, it's, it, it's, it can't be ob- objective. It has to be subjective because you're the one doing the ranking and it's your opinion. This is fair. I also am a huge fan of Gonzo and it's Gonzo's film, you know? Yeah. 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 I've never personally met Dave Goals. He is one of my white whales of meeting Muppet <laughs> performers, for sure. It's like Dave Goals, Cookie Monster. <laughs> Hugging Big Bird. I've like been on set with Big Bird, but I have I never didn't get to hug him. I did get to mm. hug Snuffy, and that like is a is a treasure. I have a picture. I'll uh, I'll try to amazing send it. Um, yeah, but uh, I those are my two. Those are my two, and yeah, Gonzo is Gonzo's like Gonzo's everything. Non-binary icon, Gonzo. <laughs> right yeah. there, you go. As uh, as discussed in the Tough Pigs article that we will link to in the show notes. Oh, please. Yeah. And it's funny, more and more of my friends uh, who just enjoy and love the Muppets, they're always, their go-to is Gonzo. They're like, oh yeah, Gonzo. He's, he's one of us. A, a really popular choice, yeah, for the, the general public Gen- fans. Gender yeah. fluidity, LGBTQ community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We all love a big-nosed weirdo who's not quite sure where he's from, but he's just happy to be here and wants to jump out of a rocket. And, and his <laughs> friends are all just cool with him. Yeah, well, and yeah. I just love this movie so much. I love it so much. Thank you so much for letting me come on here and spill my guts and yeah, cry. No, I cried by the way. Sharing your your passion for it with us. Yeah, I I I cry I cry so much, and I just one one. Can I just say one more thing about the movie that I really love? <laughs> of course, of course. I love so much. I love so much about this movie. But one of the things, just in case I don't come back, that I really want just to mention about Scrooge's arc and Scrooge's tears and Scrooge's crying is that when he's in the graveyard and Ghost of Christmas Future is like pointing to the gravestone and Scrooge deliberately points to another gravestone to be like, oh, you mean that one? The one that he huh. knows isn't his? And then the future yeah. like, no, you know that one. And he's like, crap. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and then like, he's already trying to like pull back and like make, make it better. Like before he even touches the gravestone, he's like, I know I can fix this. I know I can fix this. I, I don't even need to see this. I don't even need to see this because he, he thinks that he's already ahead of like, he, he, it's like when you're grieving, I know we've all probably gone through something, whether it's just like, uh, hopefully nothing too horrible, but I know we've all gone through something right. And that has caused us grief. And I think we all go through a point of it where we think we're done. You know what? It's been two months and six months in a year i'm done grieving i'm done i'm i've tapped out it's it's over i'd like to be better now or actually i've decided i've decided today is the day i'm better and then another grief wave just hits you and you're like fine fine i'll let the process take what it takes and that is scrooge's whole arc in this film every single time he's about to have a really vulnerable moment or have a huge change or a huge sort of seminal moment that will bring him a lot of change at first he deflects or um tries to tries to put that wall back up and then that wall gets knocked down or he gets invested and then that's what creates the change and very last thing i just love this movie so much um (laughs) when he's really giddy when he wakes up and he knows he's not dead and everything's fine there's one moment where he passes the mirror and he sees how like harried he looks and he looks at his hair and he's like "Ah, ah." and he he like (laughs) waves it away and that's that's also just such a good moment I I just and I cried every single time I watched this clip that you sent me about this because it's not because I like to cry. It's just that good. 
it's just that good. It didn't yeah. have to go this hard, and it went that hard, and it's so good. <laughs> and I just love it so right? much. No, you, yeah, you're right. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Sarah. Thank it's you been truly me. a delight, truly a thrill. Uh, and listeners, that's it for today. We uh, will be back next week with another episode. But in the meantime, please check out toughpigs.com on the internet. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If, We're posting if Twitter still exists by the time this episode comes out. Right. Yeah, that's true. It's November 14th now. Who knows? We'll see. Who knows what, what, what Twitter will be up to at that time. Uh, but you can always become a patron of Tough Pigs on Patreon. We would appreciate that. And you can always email us at movingrightalong at toughpigs.com. You can uh, follow Ryan on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe. You can follow Ryan on Letterboxd at Movies Are Neat. And you can follow me on Letterboxd at Zeppo Marxist. We would appreciate your thoughts about Animal Crackers, Singing in the Rain, It's a Wonderful Life, whatever you got. Yeah, Sarah, where can our listeners find Specifically about Why Am I So Romantic. Let me hear what you think of it. Yeah, tell me what you think about, about uh, Beautiful Girl from Singing in the Rain. Oh. Sarah. Where can our listeners find you and your work online? Uh, you can find me on Instagram because I got out of Twitter way before this debacle. Um, you can find me on Instagram me at too. Sarah. That's an H. Sarah with an H. Sarah Eliz Grace. Uh, you can also find my Substack, which is where all my writing is called Grace and Storms. That's on Substack. And Beautiful Girls is a bit of a filler number on Singing in the Rain, but it does have a very, very young Rita Moreno, so it ain't so bad. Oh, I don't that's think true. That. That's true. It does, yeah. A person who is still alive. That film is 70, 70 years old. She's still, her. still working. Like, she's the best. The best. Um, but, yeah, all right. Thank you so much again for joining us today, Sarah. And uh, listeners, you oh, thank you to Morgan Davey for our logo. I did not say that. Morgan's beautiful logo graces our podcast on any of your podcatchers of choice. And you can also buy a t-shirt with it on our Tough Pigs Tea Public store. And uh, we would appreciate if you did that. You can also give us that positive review you've been meaning to give us and tell everyone you've ever met to listen to Moving Right Along. We'll be back next week with another episode. See you then. Bye. Leave me. Oh.